For entrepreneurs, the heavy weight of expectation across all quarters of society is persistent. From investors to employees to customers, even all the way to community and family, they are constantly expected to have the answers. Experts have observed that entrepreneurs are faced with stress, anxiety and burnout on an almost daily basis. It takes an incredible amount of resolve and willpower against daunting odds to succeed as a self-starter, leaving them vulnerable to several mental health challenges. It's no surprise then that a UC Berkeley study showed that 72% of entrepreneurs were found to have some kind of mental health concern. So today, we'll explore how entrepreneurs manage their mental health, especially in the current socio-economic climate we face in South Africa. Welcome to the Reimagined Mental Health series on Investec Focus Radio SA, brought to you by Investec Life. I'm Katie Katapodis. In this episode of the podcast series, we'll discuss ways in which self-employed individuals, also known as entrepreneurs, manage their mental health. Joining me for today's discussion is Darren Berendt, CEO Investec Life, Dr. Letabo Machaba Simelani, founder of the Business Side of Medicine Initiative and the Dr. L. Machaba Foundation, also pediatric specialist at Netcare Sunninghill. And Zakeni Gobo, founder and CEO of Kelo Digital Bookstore and founder of Siafunda Digital Libraries. Good afternoon and welcome to all of you. Hi. Thank you. Thanks. Darren, I want to start with you. Why was it important, not just for you as an individual, but as the CEO of Investec Life, to focus on mental wellness in a way that you have and to actually take the lead in corporate South Africa like this? So firstly, I mean, it's not uh, purely my initiative. So this is very much a team initiative. This is something we identified a couple of years ago in, in a few different ways. You know, as a life insurer, we obviously privy to a lot of personal information about our clients in terms of where they are from a health perspective. And we started, you know, seeing some, you know, really concerning trends around mental health coming through in terms of how we were gauge you with our clients, in terms of how we wanted to provide various services and, and products to them. And I think this is something that we felt is not firstly being spoken about. So I think there is a stigma element. So this podcast series is part of some of our initiatives to try in our small way to bring an element of an awareness and, and start a conversation. And especially in ways that it hasn't traditionally been spoken about. I think the other piece is that the industry that we operate in is, for lack of a better word, outdated in how we think about mental health, how we deal with it, the, the products and services we can offer to our clients. And so we're trying to be very proactive in terms of moving the needle with some of our service providers, both locally and internationally. So that's something I think that we are starting to make some traction with, we're very excited about. And then the last piece is, you know, there are, and we're talking about entrepreneurs today, there are a lot of, you know, social entrepreneurs trying to make a difference in this space who, who see that the issue is growing, it's becoming more prevalent. I think people are becoming more aware so a big part is the awareness piece. You know, a lot of people have battled with mental health you know, concerns for many years, but it hasn't been something that you're necessarily able to identify or that you look to address. It's something that you, you know, you ignored and you were tough and you, you moved on. So I think there's a lot of social entrepreneurs in this space. And so we're also thinking quite carefully around how do we, you know, empower those entrepreneurs. So our podcast series has focused so much as we know, on mental wellness, reimagining uh, mental health as we know. But we've also looked at various sectors. We've looked at young professionals. We've looked at uh, how data and social media affects our mental wellness. This is the first time we're looking at entrepreneurs. 
Let me start with you, Doc, and say, as an entrepreneur, do you think it's even more difficult or do you think it's easier to cope with some of the many challenges? Some may argue you are the master of your own fate and can manage things as you want. Others may have a totally different view. I feel that post-COVID, as Darren has said, it has become more challenging uh, as an entrepreneur in South Africa. Uh, The reason that being is that post-COVID, we know that our socioeconomic status in South Africa has changed. I feel that if uh, government, private sectors, doctors, non-doctors, social entrepreneurs and corporates come together, we can actually problem solve this and create this huge mountain to become not as big as it looks. The statistics actually say, Darren, you won't believe that 2,5 psychologists and psychiatrists per 100,000 patients. So the collaborative effort that is required now is highly, highly appreciated. So yes, the issues have come up as an entrepreneur, personally myself, in terms of burnout and stress, anxiety, all of that was quite significant for me, especially during COVID. Not only were we having to deal with now the patient who's lying in the bed, actually struggling to breathe, but now we're dealing with the trauma of patients having now to cry and actually see their loved ones go into all of that. So, Kenny, let me come to you. We've heard the the term social entrepreneur being used by both uh, Darren and Letabo here. You're a self-described social entrepreneur. What does that mean exactly? And how different is that to what one may term a normal entrepreneur? So I would say it's mostly about someone who's trying to create a balance between creating something sustainable and profitable, but at the same time being driven by something bigger than just making a profit. And so it's really about identifying issues. And a lot of the time you actually find that a lot of social entrepreneurs come create something out of experience. And out of crisis, I imagine. Exactly, exactly. So it's it, from the very beginning, it's a very personal journey. It's something that's, that's attached to their emotions. And then it's really about just creating solutions. And from those solutions, then a business starts to form and then it grows from there. Tell us about your journey and the solution that you were able to come up with. So I've, uh, I've been in three startups. So I would say this is my third company. I started my very first one at university called Campus.com. I was actually about to be financially excluded and I needed money. And I used to do a lot of work for Student Village and doing promotions on campus. And so obviously, you know, that was very limiting. And so that's when the idea came up to create something much broader that basically enables students to get jobs on campus, write articles, and just be able to have a community where they can be able to share their experiences. And then the second one, I guess, after leaving university was Yafunda, which again was born out of my own experience in high school. So I went into a school in Umlazi that didn't have a math teacher. So after completing metric with four distinctions, I failed math. So I had to essentially go to a finishing school and upgrade uh, my math results to then get into UCT. So I think with everything that I've done, there's a lot, a huge element that has had to do with my very own personal experience or something very close to me that has led to the identification and actually experiencing the crisis and then saying, maybe there's a better way that can be done or envisioning something better that can come out of it and then just being able to create that. And now I'm running uh, the CEO of Kelo, which is essentially, again, in the same space, which is really just about empowering people in terms of lowering the barriers to access to textbooks where people can rent books instead of buying them at much reduced cost, but also be able to just access books on their mobile from anywhere. I love that. I love it because it's inspirational. It's encouraging. I love that you started in high school. I love that you continued at Varsity. Was it all plain sailing or did you have these incredible moments of stress and distress that ultimately ended up affecting your mental wellness? 
I definitely had a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) uh, I can actually pinpoint a lot of different moments where everything fell apart and you just, you struggle to sort of keep it together. I would say, I think part of being an entrepreneur is that every aspect of your life really gets stretched to the absolute limit. You get challenged from everywhere, from the people you work with to the family, the relationships that you hold financially. And so at every turn, you are basically pushing against the wind. And so it becomes very hard because during that whole process, you are honestly just winging it. But everyone expects you to have it all together. Everybody expects you to know what you're doing because any sides of vulnerability, you either lose credibility or you lose clients. So you always have to basically fake it while you make it. Smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> and smile, exactly. It's a smile and wave. <laughs> and so obviously that can, you know, it, it does take a toll on you because you're constantly breaking yourself. But I think also there's an element, being a social entrepreneur, you're surrounded by so much trauma and so much heartbreak already. That somehow with whatever it is that you're going through, you always feel like you're a little bit better off. So somehow you're supposed to take it. And so you never really give yourself space and time to heal yourself and give yourself, you know, the the resources to be able to rebuild. And so it is this process of continuously building. And then eventually either you crash or if you don't take breaks in between, it becomes very hard to sustain yourself. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs you know, um, either just quit completely or give up or just blow up in an interview or social media. It's because it's just so much that you're carrying at all point in time. Like a pressure cooker. Exactly. Yes, like eventually yeah. it just blows up. Dr. Latabo, you're agreeing with this and, I, you know, you're nodding. And you're, yeah. Do you have that experience as well? Yeah. So in my industry, there is this God complex that we talk about. Where doctors, doctors never. Doctors, yeah. <laughs> so you know what? Actually, studies have shown, like in the UK, they actually did a study on doctors from January 2008 to 2017. And, you know, in that study, they were just profiling doctors in terms of being entrepreneurs and always having to have the last answer. And I can say that, to be honest with you, the pressure of that, first of all, when they choose us, the God complex comes from the fact that we are supposed to be the type A personalities. Type A personalities are perfectionist, very obsessive, and we have this martyrdom thing going on. So we would rather die before we let somebody else die. So I feel that in my space, when it comes to entrepreneurship, that's where a lot of the issues come up, the mental health issues. We are always the tow trucks. So nobody ever expects the tow truck to crumble. Who actually tows a tow truck? (laughs) So that's what we've seen, the mental issues that I've had and have had to support a lot of the doctors, especially in my platform. Uh, called The Business Side of Medicine. I actually started it, as you're saying, Sakeni, from just actually seeing doctors crumbling and at least like a lot of practices having to to fall apart. You know, like they say in the first five years, more than 40% of practices don't make it. So as an entrepreneur, you always have to have an answer. But then now when you've got a God complex, who's going to help you? And then when do you admit that you've got burnout, you've got stress, you've got anxiety, and now you're shouting at your clients, which are meant to be patients. I really feel that just, first of all, having that insight and tapping into the networks that are there when you need help Mm. and and actually problem solving and just sitting down and saying, you know what, I'm not coping. But Darren, there's an interconnectedness, I think, between succeeding and support. Do you think that South Africa offers enough support 
to entrepreneurs in our country, particularly young entrepreneurs. So I built businesses within Investec. It's very different to being an entrepreneur when you're out by yourself. There's an element of personal responsibility that that comes through that I think is really at the core of being an entrepreneur. Whether it's a small business and you now have primary responsibility for the livelihood of the people around you, or you know whether it's it's necessarily your patience. But there is an element of if I drop the ball, there's real serious repercussions, and nobody else is there to pick it up. There is no support network necessarily behind you. So that is a big part of being an entrepreneur. You asked about is enough being done? I think, you know, South Africa in terms of our our entrepreneurial ecosystem is in its infancy. You know, it's not the same as you know, developed countries, whether, you know, as Investec, we get a lot of exposure to developed countries, you know, are just further on in their journey in terms of supporting entrepreneurs, whether it's necessarily with the various types of resources they need to have access to. You know, many entrepreneurs start out and you're now running a small business. You know, you don't know how to manage your accounts. You don't necessarily know how to, you know, register your company. You don't necessarily know how to, you know, put contracts in place with service provider, whatever it may be, there's, you know, invariably there's a whole lot of other stuff that often is quite hard to get access to resources mm. to. I wish tertiary institutions would listen up though. I wish schools would listen up because I think it starts there. No, definitely it is. And I think the environment is actually very hostile for entrepreneurs. I remember when I started at Varsity, I actually, you, <laughs> the institution that I was in is actually ended up being the one that basically kicked us out. So there was literally no support to begin with, but there was just a lot of sort of territorial thinking. And um, obviously you're young, you're a student, there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens that basically doesn't give you space to be able to build on what you're doing. And for some reason, the powers that be, as I call them, you know, the people that are supposed to be actually providing you the support and instruments actually end up being the gatekeepers that push you further out. And so, as I said, you're constantly fighting against the current. There's, a, there's something about our perception that needs to change. And of course, that's an added pressure. That's an added stress and anxiety when you talk about a hostile environment. Yeah, definitely. You, yeah, it's, it's, it's very <laughs> difficult to, to navigate those spaces because you never know where the bombs are, whether you, you, it's sort of like you're working in a minefield. You know, uh, I remember I was asked the question, like, what is the one thing you misunderstood or assumed about entrepreneurship that you found to be true. And I realized that it's not necessarily about the idea or the product or the concept. A lot of it is navigating politics, navigating people, navigating structures, gatekeepers, and, and all of that. So it's really a people's game rather than an actual product or a business aspect. And to be honest, when you're starting out as a young entrepreneur, you are not equipped to understand that, okay, this is how corporate works and this is how these structures work. And so a lot of the time you're going in ill-equipped and you're sort of trying to pick things up and learn along the way, but there is very little support. And one mistake, you're either blacklisted or you're pushed out. So it's it becomes this thing where you're just constantly sort of working on minefield. You don't actually know when the next form is going to go off. And also when that goes off, it's like, okay, how do I survive it? How do I manage all these different stakeholders that I'm working with and try and create relationships in an environment that I really don't understand that I'm learning as I go? So as I can hear you very clear, the hurdles and the minefields are definitely there. But Darren, how important is entrepreneurship for a country like South Africa? Because I don't want to only paint a picture of doom and gloom around entrepreneurship and becoming an entrepreneur. 
So I think a, a very positive thing is I think that the entrepreneurial spirit is definitely very strong in South Africa, which it has to be. I mean, considering our unemployment rates, it's a matter of livelihoods. And that extends everything from, you know, people operating in the informal sector to, you know, people starting very traditional um, small businesses to, you know, some of the cutting edge stuff that's happening in South Africa. I think the capacity in terms of entrepreneurship is there. I think where the support needs to come in is how do you take someone who's got a good idea, who starts out in a very much a self-employed environment, it's a business of one, and, and what do we need to do to help those people to scale that into small businesses and then invariably into established businesses? You know, I saw some interesting research the other day that spoke about that transition, some numbers uh, around that transition and how that has in actual fact improved in the last two, three years. So we obviously went through COVID where there was a lot of small businesses that were forced to close. And since then, the transition from, you know, small businesses to becoming established businesses and established business in, in, in the definition there was, you know, in existence for longer than three years. Does that, is that definition still accurate? If you're in existence for longer than three years, you're an established business. I think I think that in a place like South Africa where you know we don't have a substantial amount of resources that people can rely on if you can you know if you can keep going for three years I think that's a that's a mm. positive I mean I would agree with that um, that's my personal view so developed we we're not in a place where based upon an interesting business idea you can speak to a few people and you can be given you know a check that can be you know keep you going for the next three four five years you know in South Africa you know people have to hustle. Um, yeah. You know, we're hearing that it's a consistent message. You I wish there was a camera in the yeah. studio. <laughs> you, because as you said, people have to hustle. So I got these it two nodding heads nuts. next yeah. to me between Zakini and Letabo. So if you can make it to two, three, four, five years, if you can go from a business of one to a business of three, four, five, I mean, that's what South Africa needs. In successful countries around the world, often your biggest employer is effectively small business. And that's the problem we need to solve. I mean, we've got a big issue around unemployment in South Africa, and we've got a lot of capable, enthusiastic, keen people that in often cases, you know, don't know where to start. Or when they knock on the doors that they think they should be knocking on, you know, nobody answers or they close to them. So, you know, I've experienced that a lot in South Africa in terms of often it's just getting your idea in front of the right person. And that is so hard. And that's tough. I think it's tough for entrepreneurs where success is not just purely driven on hard work and diligence and, and so on. It's, it actually is, there is an element of luck involved. And the socio-economic, political environment of our country. Most definitely. So you asked, what's the positive message? We've got a lot of entrepreneurs. We've got people that are keen, that have got energy, that have got drive. It's a matter of finding them, identifying them and, and, and providing the right support. And we keep hearing how resilient we are as yeah. a country and a people. So yeah. hopefully that resilience will come in. I don't know if you guys saw the articles trending on News24 and everywhere else, where for the first time in our country, we've got more than 500 doctors that are unemployed. So for me, uh, Darren, I had to teach doctors the hustle to say, no, now you're an entrepreneur. You are going to go start your business. You need an accountant. You need a front desk. You need registrations. These are the people. You need a lawyer. So just all those basic things to put it together. You're going to be creative with your business model, whatever it is that you have. And that even us as entrepreneurs, you, we are visionaries. We see the complete picture before it, it actually happens. And then the problem is now getting stakeholders to buy into that vision. Because now how do you get investment? How do you get funding? You know, And I find that with us, the entrepreneurs is, especially the mompreneurs, when the company goes into a valley of death, instead of adapting, re-strategizing, rebranding, people then now stay there and then they give up. 
And I feel that's so sad for me to watch because now every company, most companies going to that valley of death. At some then, point yeah, at in the journey. Yeah. So what we do is mm. we give them coping mechanisms and also networking and support facilities to say, let's get the experts in. Let's get these people in. This is the company. If you need electronics, ultrasounds, this is what you're going to get. This is what we can help you with. Let's get a brand and marketing. Like even me, I was, I keep on saying on my platform, I had to go on social media in my late 30s. And, you know, just to to put it in as a joke, my husband was like, I don't want to slay queen in the house. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be wearing nails and doing all those things. All I want to do is educate. And by creating an education platform just for my business, I can tell you I lack nothing for clients. Like clients are coming in, they're getting empowered, there's mental issues, also creating networks within the practice. So, Kenny, we know in the South African context, employing two people doesn't mean feeding two people. Employing four people doesn't mean feeding four people. Uh, you can times that by four, five, six each. Yep. And the pressure, I imagine, as an entrepreneur is even greater knowing that the five people who sit in front of me, I'm actually responsible for 50 mouths, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So... Yeah, you bring in someone into your vision. It's not just them that you're accountable to. It's their children, their parents, also their own dreams. And so there's a lot that sits on you being able to, one, make sure that you drive the ship to where everybody wins at the end of the day. Because ultimately, I think that's what we're always trying to create. The win-win scenarios where the people that we're with, we move along with them. You know, we grow together. We grow together. You know, we if they don't win, we don't win. And so... The, the focus of making sure that even though with the little resources that you have, you are empowering not only the people that you're working with, but the community that you're impacting, you know, is central to everything that you're doing. And I think, as I said earlier, that that comes with a lot of responsibility. Every And because also you are not removed, you are there in the front talking to the principal, talking to the person who's actually impacted by the issue that needs to be solved. And so there's a lot that you take in and that you bring in in terms of just taking on that responsibility and making sure that I have to make this work because there's just so much that is dependent on what we're building and what we're doing. Latabo, was there ever a moment in your career, in your entrepreneurial journey specifically, where you thought enough is enough and I want to throw in the towel now? I actually don't know if I've got this in me. I remember the exact year, date and time. And that was in 2017 um, when I actually left my government post. Uh, in government, we, we are called so-called consultants. So we really are like, demigods, if I can put it that way. So coming into business, um, I started off with a brand that I felt I shouldn't have aligned myself with. So it was a small hospital, not really well known. And when I started off, it was very difficult to generate a clientele. So then for me, I decided that since I wasn't sure what I was doing, I then almost gave up because the numbers that I expected, I thought I'd be seeing like thousand patients within a certain number of time. Uh, so then what I then did was then move to NetCare and worked in a group practice. And I actually found three lovely women who have been entrepreneurs for more than 15 years. So just being able to download all of that skill and education and experience, I felt that was the game changer for me. And henceforth, I got a mentor. And I feel that the stress that I had, the burnout that I had, and also because as Sakeni is saying, it's the numbers. My husband kept on saying to me, the numbers are not right. We need to pay this and this off. And for me, I think it was the finances that almost made me give up. And then actually just downloading all that experience, learning the know-how to, and then being awarded a solo practice in NetCare and then running my own business. 
I felt that that experience I was able to take on and then soar, you know. So, yeah, so there was that moment. But I feel that the solution to that on a positive note is always then get mentorship. Go get the, the skill that you need to learn, work with those that have done it for a long time and acquire that skill and then take it and run with it. There was something that, I, that, that sort of really resonated with me there. So, I mean, I've been lucky enough that I've had exposure to entrepreneurship, intrapreneurship locally, internationally. And, and also I've been lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of entrepreneurs where I wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur. So I was either an investor or an advisor or got in the trenches for six months just to help them get to the next step. And, and, and there was something that just really catalyzed there, which is if, if, if ever I'm asked for advice, I would give a founder is, who is your co-founder? Who is in the trench with you? Because this is, entrepreneurship is lonely. Doesn't matter how many people are around you, the responsibility, the single-mindedness that's required, it is lonely. Mm-hmm. It is hard by yourself. And sometimes it's, you know, some people have the support net where it's a spouse, it's a family member. But for a lot of young entrepreneurs who aren't in that stage of life yet, like building a business with someone is much easier than building it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, something Doc said there, which just really, really just linked back to that piece there. It's, it's, it's being there by yourself. And when the results don't come as quickly as, as you want or they don't come in the way that you expected them, which is what the journey of entrepreneurship is all about, you know, it is so hard to push through when you're by yourself. And it's just often just someone who's in the trench that you can speak to who actually feels it. So often people outside, you can speak to them. You can speak to your spouse. You can speak to friends. You can speak to a mentor. You know, and they can give you good advice, but they're not in the trench. Mm. They're feeling it with you. And, and so, I think Sakeni also made a point earlier to say they expect you to have all the answers anyway. Yeah. So going to them for advice might be pointless because they're just looking to you for all the solutions. So, so I mean, my story is very similar. You know, many years ago, I, I started out by lecturing at the University of Johannesburg many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, and then joined Investec. And I was here for nearly 12, 13 years and decided that I wanted to see what it was like outside of a corporate. I'd invested in startups. I'd been involved in them from a very passive standpoint. Decided I want to go see what this is all about. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I planned very badly. Um, we were speaking earlier about A-type personalities. Typically, I plan. I think these things through. This, I didn't. You know, and I, I effectively went out and I'll see. I'll see what comes. Maybe I'll be start my own business. Maybe I'll partner with people. Maybe I'll co-found something together. And, um, you know, it was into that journey where after, you know, 12, 18 months and you're doing a couple of things, but nothing's really stuck yet. Like nothing's, you know, you're not getting the kind of momentum that you wanted. It's just not going quick enough. And I think that's always the issue. It just doesn't go quick enough. And uh, you do get to that point where you think, geez, you know, like, where's my purpose? Because often we associate purpose with an element of traction. Like if you're putting an input and you're not getting an output, well, then, you know, I may have a purpose, but it's not really playing out the way I wanted it to. And that that is a very lonely space. I go back to that lonely piece because you can be surrounded by people. You can be involved with a whole lot of people in the business or outside of the business, but it's really lonely being an entrepreneur. And, And that's where I think that you know, whatever that is, that support person or mm. support net is so critical. So it could be a mentor, it could be a co-founder, it could be a spouse, whatever it may be. But I think everybody goes through that. We spoke earlier about, you know, knocking on the doors and just, you know, how many no's can can you hear before... Um, you Throwing know, just, in the towel, just, finally. Uh, yeah, it just, uh, it, you just get fatigue and you, and you, you know, you, you think, hold on a minute, this is just too hot. And I think that ties into, I mean, we're talking yeah, about mental health and wellness. And, and I think that's that's really where the, the sort of rubber starts hitting the road in terms of some of the impact that 
you know, being in that kind of situation, what that can what that can do for you, especially again if you if you don't necessarily have the support net around you, because you know it's quite hard to actually be self-reflective in that kind of environment. You know, you, you know, you to build a business, you've got to be single-minded. Like it becomes, you know, the king I said earlier, like it becomes all-encompassing. Your whole life has to become about that business. Like you know, balance becomes something for five years' time when you've made it, when you've done it, when you've, you know, you just got to get the next six months and the next six months. And um, you know, and I think that's that's where it's very hard to self-reflect and say, hold on a minute, like I could be doing damage here. Like I could be, you know, I I, I could be in trouble. And if you don't have that support net, I think it is quite hard to identify that and to you know and obviously to to work through that so but i think that's invaluable advice about getting that level of support find a co-finder and you know you mentioned there particularly for young entrepreneurs um i would even say it's young and old young and old if you're feeling you're very alone on this journey find someone who's going to go along this journey with you it's like Kenny, i wanted to ask you you spoke about the difficulties the challenges but i want to hear about the successes but particularly with regards to your mental wellness and how you managed to cope with the stress, with the anxiety. I'm sure there were some moments where you fell into the pits of depression. How did you pull yourself out and what tools did you use just to keep going? So I would say you you definitely, I've, I've had a few of those moments. Uh, just take one in particular during COVID. Uh, I think that was by far one of the toughest, you know, periods for any entrepreneur. You know, I think when we had started the Sefunda Digital Libraries, we, we had these networks in schools and we were growing and we were building clients. We were in four provinces at the time and everything was going well. You know, we had clients that we were building up and doing a few pilots with a few clients. And then suddenly COVID happens and then schools got closed and then nobody's at schools. You know, we've got all this infrastructure sitting in schools and, and nobody there. And obviously around that time, pretty much every company started to pull it back their resources. And so within that one space, you were basically sitting and you're seeing everything sort of collapse around you. Sure. And um, to be honest, at that time, it, it feels like you are the biggest failure and it feels like you are letting everyone around you down. And the more you push, the more you fight, the more aggressive you try to get, but you end up agitating people. And I think for me, that's one of the key things that I've learned is that, yes, when you're going into entrepreneurship, you're taking on this lifestyle of always fighting, you're a warrior, but also know when to stop and heal and, and regroup. And a lot of the time, I think that was the hardest thing for me because it felt like when you stop to rest, you are somehow giving up. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that it becomes very important for you to give yourself space and time to feel what you need to feel. And that's going to be happening across, uh, you know, whether the client that you were really counting on when is you're just about to close the deal and then something suddenly happens that just collapses everything. Instead of saying, okay, we got to keep moving on to the next one, take the time to stop and just reflect and feel what you need to feel. Sleep for the whole day in your shorts or whatever, because you're human, you know, and allow yourself time to heal. And then after that, once you feel you're ready, you can go back at it again. And I think relying on people, I think as, as, as Darren said, it's not only going to always be your co-founder. You find angels somewhere. People always pop up. Uh, and I guess that's the one thing that keeps you going. <laughs> Finding the angels. <laughs> right? Just when you're ready, you're just like, okay, I'm done. Nobody, everybody is a mess and all of these things. There's always someone that pops up just out of nowhere. And literally, when, you, when I've looked back at the times, at the previous moments in my career, there's been times when I was just, I was done. I was out. There was no way forward. There was no way back. And then somewhere, somehow, someone just pops up, you know, and is able to then help you sort of align. I remember back in 2014, um, we had put everything, getting the funding in terms of getting the company going. And it got to the point where we're just completely out of everything. 
and out of nowhere, I get a call from someone saying, hey, I like what you're doing. Let's meet. We literally got our first angel investment that same day. Literally, I was I had already packed out and ready to go home and basically was done. But something just came in the middle of nowhere and basically saved us. And I found that a lot of that has happened in my career. It becomes very easy to give up on humanity with the kind of thing you have to face. And so a lot of the time, what keeps you going is those relationships. As you look internally, a lot of it is always the pressure, of course. But when there's people out there who are reinforcing, whether financially or not, or just constantly trying to introduce you to someone or constantly checking in, that gives you the energy that you need to be able to keep going. So I would say within those really tough, uh, incredibly rough periods, I think look to not only the, the issues, but look also to the people who have stood by you, who have allowed whatever you're building to become bigger than yourself. And a lot of the time, I think that's what ends up keeping you going. But there's something in you that just goes like, you know, this is bigger than me. There are people who believe in this, who've put their faith in this. And so it's not up to me anymore. And that's usually what keeps you going. I think it's just about optimizing your luck. The more you work on towards something, at some point, regardless of whatever you're working on, you're going to get lucky. The question is, what are you going to get lucky on? And so a lot of what I've tried to do is to just always optimize that space that if something does align, it needs to be able to change the trajectory of everything around me. And so I think it's a really tough space, but a lot of it is people. You're going to be inspired by people. You're also going to be frustrated by people. Uh, you're going to learn to trust people. You'll also be betrayed by people. And a lot of it is, is just going to be this roller coaster where you are not only developing the business, but you're developing yourself. You are growing yourself as a person. And therefore, as you grow, you're growing the ecosystem and the people around. And, uh, and that is what makes this journey, I think, wonderful. And I think once you've had a taste of that process of creating something out of nothing, it's, it's fulfilling. So I don't have any research to back this up. This is what I've experienced. But I think that there is an element, and it's not a South Africa thing. I think it's a global thing that there is, you know, entrepreneurship has been glamorized over the last 10, 20 years. I mean, we've gone mm -hmm. through a period where there's been massive global businesses that have been built out of garages and they get glamorized, you know, in, in the media that we're exposed to. And, and that's a good thing because I think that, you know, there are, in South Africa, I think there are a whole lot of people who are entrepreneurs who need support, who need resources, et cetera. But there's a lot of people who are, you know, not quite ready or not necessarily, it's not for them to become an entrepreneurs, but they're keen to be involved. And I'm seeing that more and more in sort of the colleagues, uh, yeah, at Investec, you know, friends, communities, whatever it may be, you know, people that are saying, look, you know, I'm keen to get involved in supporting entrepreneurship in South Africa. How do I do that? I'm, you know, I like what I do. I work in a really good company. So it's not for me to become an entrepreneur, but how do I get involved? You know, those are the kind of people that can become those angels. Those are the kind of people that have resources or skills or an element of expertise or time or whatever it is that can often make a difference. And obviously now matching up, you know, these people that have got the interest and potentially the resources with the entrepreneurs. I think that's, you know, that's also something we need to, we need to think about because otherwise it does come down to those lucky introductions, those lucky connections, the out of the blue phone call that comes from someone and, you know, changes your whole world and the whole business. So that's, I think, also a very good thing. You asked for good stories. That's a good thing, I think. Yes. Uh, given all this talk, for me, three Ps that I'd like to highlight uh, where there's passion, where there's purpose and processes happen and keep on happening, you are bound to bump into some luck and an angel investor. So for me, if I have uh, somebody that I want to take up my wing, I have had opportunities where I've had to angel invest 
as I said, as an entrepreneur, you learn that in the process that if you do invest in somebody's business financially with your experiences and skills and all of that. So for me, if I find those three Ps in any young person, old person, I'm willing to go all out. And I think what Darren and, and Sakani are also just highlighting is that if we can have all of those ingredients, then the support will come, the luck, the door, some door will open, somebody will have faith in you. I love that. And I love that we've ended on a positive note. And I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me here this afternoon. I think it's been daunting from what you were saying, but also a very inspiring discussion. Zakeni, Latavo and Darren, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, we reimagine mental health in the context of entrepreneurship. And I think it's given us a lot of inspiration. Thanks, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Entrepreneurship is crucial for any economy that is seeking to develop. It opens doors for innovation and provides employment and learning opportunities which contribute to economic growth. While the journey of a self-starter will always be arduous, an enabling environment must be provided to allow entrepreneurs to thrive. This brings us to the end of Season 1 of our Reimagined Mental Health series, brought to you by Investec Life, an authorised FSB and licensed insurer. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, goodbye from me, Katie Katapodis, and the Investec Life team.